I hadn't gotten anywhere with acting in quite a while. My last performance was one of the lead roles in a new play that premiered in Alabama, but it had been a year since then. I left my agent for my new manager and continued networking with as many casting directors as I could, hoping for a break. I was still hurting deeply over a past breakup that had brought up a lot of personal questions about how I handle love. I found myself hiding away in my studio, watching reruns of my favorite childhood show. I was no longer drinking away the pain, but I wasn't healing from it either. I slowly began to discard the clothing that once made me stand out, opting for clothing that made me blend in. I needed to insulate myself, like an egg in an incubator, waiting to hatch. This time of silence brought the itch for magic fully to the surface. When I started searching for psychic meetups, I didn't know what to expect. I had never searched for a group who practiced together. Do they screen new members? Would they ask me to join their cult? Do they expect me to speak in tongues or convey dramatic future world events? Will we all hold hands and sing together? Maybe yell to the gods and goddesses? Or maybe we sit around and talk about our childhood traumas and mental health issues. It all sounded plausible. I settled on two mediumship meetups, both held weekly, but in different spaces in Midtown Manhattan. I was desperate to understand the side of myself. So I went to both every week for many months. One was run by a high priestess who had a difficult upbringing, but found herself and her power by invoking and working with the goddess. She was a bit older, but very young at heart and incredibly knowledgeable about the history and workings of magic. She taught us the inner tools we needed to access our psychic awareness. I still have some of her folders full of worksheets. She packed them with incredible information and direction. The other was run by a psychic Christian preacher. He was so nice and had such a soothing presence that really put you at ease. He started each meeting by pressing his lips together, blowing his breath to cleanse the room. He reminded me of my friend on that troubling night back in college. After cleansing the room, he spent about five minutes calling in angels and protectors, wishing us all happiness and health. It was very moving to hear someone so intently and purely praying for our well-being. Though the facilitators didn't know each other, the energy they gave off was the same. They were both powerful psychics who embraced their experience of the world. They patiently and gently supported every attendee as they practiced opening their psychic mind. Like babies at different stages of learning how to walk, They made us feel safe to try and stand up. They both began the meetings by leading us through a guided meditation to connect us to a deeper vibration within. Then they would open the floor to us, giving us the opportunity to relay messages either for a specific person or the group as a whole. After the group messages, the high priestess would have us break off into pairs with an exercise she had planned while the preacher would have us read the person to our left, either for a specific question or simply giving them a message. Everyone was so talented. So many people gave such detailed readings and connected with incredible spirits. 
from guides and angels to those who've passed on. My ability had grown in the company of these like-minded souls. I was able to develop what's called clairvoyance, the psychic art of using your mind's eye or your imagination to visually connect with other humans or spirits. One meetup really stands out in my memory. The high priestess paired each of us together for readings with no particular goal, just tell each other what you're getting. I was paired with a woman who had just started attending. We hadn't formally met, so I had no clue about anything in her life. I can't remember if she asked me to read for her deceased fiancé or if I picked him up first, but I remember vividly standing in front of a car, staring at the windshield when suddenly a man in the driver's seat smashes up against it, cracking the glass from the inside. I told this to her, and she confirmed that it was her fiancé. He had died about a year ago in a car accident from the impact of his head hitting the windshield. She urged me to continue. She wanted to know if he had anything to say to her. I saw him floating towards her, as if in a dream. He took her hand, and she gently floated off with him against a dark background lit up by stars. I think he's trying to visit you in your dreams. It feels very lucid, and you look happy with him, I said. She began to cry softly, wiping her tears so no one could see. I never had a lucid dream until after the accident, she said. All of a sudden, I see him in my dreams. I feel fully awake. He takes me by the hand and we fly to these beautiful places. One night, he took me to a place where I was surrounded by millions of stars. It was absolutely beautiful. I've been trying to teach myself how to astral project so I can experience it with him more closely. That's why I started coming here. I want to get better so I can be with him. I know it's crazy, but I don't want to stop. Not too many months after I began attending these meetups, I started booking a lot of commercial jobs. The management company I signed on to had a commercial department, and apparently my look was in season. I'm half black and half white, but present as racially ambiguous, and at the time, I had short hair that I straightened, increasing my ambiguity. Over the course of 18 months, I auditioned about three times a week, attended a callback about twice a week, and ended up booking about a third of the commercials I auditioned for. I'd never made so much money in my life. I was acting on elaborate commercial sets with huge teams and lots of equipment. I've had my own trailer, been picked up by a chauffeur, flown first class to a production destination, fed incredible food, and performed in famous locations. I was all over TV, sometimes showing up in two different commercials on the same day. Summer of 2015, I booked the main commercial for the US Open and became their very first female spokesperson. I was called in for recurring roles on upcoming pilots produced by ABC and Fox and landed small roles on Law & Order and Jessica Jones. My break had finally happened. Everyone seemed to be rooting for me. All doors were opening. Little did I know I would have a change of heart. The first time I heard about ayahuasca was on my first commercial shoot. The director was using a couple of us at a time, so the actors would hang out at a table near the set, waiting to be called up. 
I was chatting with a fellow actor about nothing in particular when he brought up that he had recently sat with ayahuasca. I admitted I hadn't heard of ayahuasca, not even in passing. He happily told me all about it. You attend a ceremony where everyone sits and drinks a liquid mixture with this plant, ayahuasca, he said. You hallucinate and the plant brings you visions that are meant for your subconscious. You may see people and events that need a resolution or a new perspective. Or you could see symbols that are trying to guide you. You also feel sick and throw up a lot, but it's like purging your soul. It was 10,000 hours of therapy at once. I got the sense that this conversation was supposed to happen, and I instantly became terrified. My parents, my inner turmoil, my self-hatred all flashed before my eyes. I didn't want ayahuasca to take me back in time. I didn't want to confront my dad or relive the explosive fights with my sister. I didn't want my mom to confirm that her life would have been better if I hadn't been born. I was also still unconvinced of my psychic ability. What if ayahuasca tells me I'm just a crazy person or that I'm succumbing to a siren's call, one that will leave me heartbroken on the rocks? I told him I'd look into it, and we left the conversation at that. The shoot wrapped that day, and we all said goodbye. I figured if the universe wanted me to experience ayahuasca, it would make it very clear to me. One person bringing it up was not worth fretting over. Two days later, on my next commercial shoot, one of the producers and I got to talking. He asked me, Have you ever heard of ayahuasca? You should try it sometime. It's so powerful. They call her Mother Ayahuasca. She really changes your life. I was floored. I told him someone just mentioned it to me a couple days ago on my last shoot, that it was 10,000 hours worth of therapy at once. They say ayahuasca calls to you, he said, as he slid a book on ayahuasca across the table to me that he just so happened to have on hand. The terror rose again, but this time to a realization. Mother Ayahuasca was calling, and I would have to answer. I didn't know when she'd show up, but I knew I was going to join her. I wanted to be ready and open, so I resigned that night to heal as much as I could until she came for me. Next episode, we'll go on to the relationship that encouraged me to grow as a psychic, beginning the healing process, joining a Christian cult, finding out a main source of my suffering and venturing down an occult rabbit hole. But for now, we'll go on to the fives. The fives in the minor arcana represent struggles and challenges. When you pull a five, you may be in a situation that feels difficult and unfair. The challenge is determined by the element of the suit. Numerology labels five as changes and conflicts. They continue the second grouping, informing us that this energy is ongoing. The Five of Wands is about arguments and competition. You're one of many voices and could be getting drowned out. Decisions need to be made, but there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Everyone wants their way. You could also be challenged to hold your own in a divisive environment. When I pull this card in a reading, I know the person is trying to get their point across, but no one's listening. They're trying to prove themselves, but they'll have to wait out the cacophony of equally competitive perspectives. Though their ideas are just as valid as everyone else's, 
they'll have to fight to get what they want. When I pull this card in my own readings, I know I'm ready to compete with others to prove myself and my capabilities. I know I'll have to withstand tough opponents, but I'm feeling confident and equal to the task. Though I'm not sure if my ideas will be considered or implemented, it's important that I try. The Five of Cups represents regrets over past actions or wasted opportunities. You could find yourself ruminating over the past, believing you've lost all chance of happiness. This is often a card of mistakes and bad timing. But the future is still open to all possibilities. You don't know what's coming up next. When I pull this card in a reading, I know the person is stuck in the past. Maybe they're unable to move on from a relationship, or maybe they believe holding on to guilt will bring back an opportunity lost. There's potential in the future, so there's no need to dwell on what's gone. When I pull this card in my own readings, I know I'm holding on to something that's no longer with me. I'm fixated on what I did wrong and how I would do it all differently now. This card is telling me there's nothing I can do about the past and to look to the future instead. Life moves on with or without me. The Five of Swords represents undermining and ruthless behavior. Someone has decided it's a dog-eat-dog world and they'll throw you under the bus first chance they get. You could be experiencing threats or intimidation or cheated out of what was rightfully yours. This behavior may continue until a truce is made or the person moves on. When I pull this card in a reading, I know the person is dealing with a bully or unfair treatment. This card indicates defeat by the hands of another. Their project was undermined or the relationship sabotaged by an outside influence. They could be harassed or pushed to submit by someone who enjoys dominating others. When I pull this card in my own readings, I know there's a power struggle happening and I'm on the losing side. Something may happen that sabotages my plans or throws me off track. I could succumb to my own inner bully or encounter someone who has no interest in cooperation. There could be a manipulative tactic at play or simply being cut down to size. The Five of Pentacles represents loss and isolation. This card brings up the feeling of being the odd one out. You may feel sorry for yourself and your circumstances, believing no one understands you or wants you around. You could be struggling because you've had to tighten your belt or hit a financial rock bottom. When I pull this card in a reading, I know the person is feeling ostracized or unwanted. They believe there's something others find too different or undesirable about them. They're an outsider and will never achieve what they want in their career, society, dating pool, and so on. This anxiety may go on for some time until they feel seen for their worthiness and potential. When I pull this card in my own readings, I know I'm throwing myself a pity party. I'm feeling left out and discarded because I'm too different, or I didn't have the same privileges as others, or I don't have what someone's looking for. It also often reflects my anxiety over my funds. I remind myself that who I am and what I have to offer are special, no matter what anyone else thinks. Please continue the exercise from episode five. 
It's important that you remain loose with the cards until we've completed the definitions. Your intuition will thank you. If you'd like to get more involved in the lesson, or you understand the cards well enough from your own studies, consider looking into my tarot journal available on my website. It prompts you with questions that will help flesh out the cards and offers a reference section in the back where you can track which cards you pull over time. You can find the link at the bottom of the bio section of any episode. Until next week, blessed be.